Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to Tech Takeaway's Christmas special. I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and I'm joined as ever by my Christmassy co-host, Paul Stringfellow. Ho, ho. And my dynamic non-Christmassy co-host, Wayne Miller. Boo. <laughs> so this is episode two of our look back to 2023. So if you've not yet seen episode one, skip back, go watch that. It's unmissable. Uh, and then come back. So uh, so in the last episode, we were talking about uh, cost optimization with yeah, cloud yeah. Uh, and a lot of cybersecurity as well. Um, and Paul, we wanted to get your kind of reflection back on 2023 as a year and you know, how have you found the year? What, what, what are the key things that stand out to you? Well, it's been a year where I've got to work with Wayne, so clearly it's been a blast. Um, <laughs> did, was that convincing? Non-stop fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah that's, it's, that's, been a laugh. that's the vibe I got there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, heck, you can, and we haven't even opened a bottle of beer yet. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's um, yeah, all, all going to go downhill from here. Um, but, but I think the thing for me, and, and it was interesting in, in the last episode that, that we talked about things like security, cost optimization. Yeah. You know, and the thing that was kind of going through my, my head all the time is that the more things change, the more they stay the same. You know, and I, and I think one of the things that we've seen this year has been, that's also remained true of data. So, you know, we, we are a company who probably for the last 15 years has talked to our customers an awful lot about data from where you store it, how you protect it, how you move it around, increasingly how you make sure it remains secure, compliant, how you govern it, you know, and, and all of those kind of things. And all of those kind of things have remained true, you know, and I think as we get to the end of this episode with a spoiler of looking forward, you know, I think we're going to see that we might even see more of that, you know, on one of our previous episodes, actually, when we had, uh, when we had Grant on from NetApp, yep. one of the things he talked about was that idea of increasingly as people move data to the cloud, as people look at AI, machine learning, that actually lots of the things that we have traditionally talked about around terms of data management, you know, the idea of garbage in, garbage out, those things have become um, back to the forefront where maybe maybe they weren't the cool things to talk about for the last two, three years, but actually the idea that, well, can I clone copies of data? Is the data, does anybody use the data I've got? Is this data relevant if I'm going to feed it into something to, to use it? If we're going to be making decisions based on, on this data and, and building useful business information and business analytics from it, yeah. are, are all those things true? So so I think that's that's been a, a really interesting thing. And, and, and um, I think one of the things that we've seen um, there's kind of been one of the things I think that's been relatively new to you, Wayne, because you know your background hasn't been data, yeah. has been this idea of just how do we find out all this stuff that we've got? How do we find out what's useful? You know, and I think that's something that's been new to you. Well, yeah. Well, there's two there's two things for me. Um, one is, and again, going back to discovery calls, was was people have a um, a system or a solution that backs up data. But when we kind of dug a little bit deeper, we were looking at how they back up data, where that data is. Yeah. And then, you know, a new phrase for me was immutable data. So that data, you know, is immutable and and, and is protected for a, a window. And we've seen instances this, you know, the past 12 months where we wish people had had immutable uh, backups because they couldn't have been compromised. And, you know, from what I've learned as well from ransomware, yeah. that's the first target. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that people are starting to pay more attention to data as a valuable business asset. Um, and immutability with backups plays a massive part with that. You know, with, when, when we're talking about um, backups, you know, ultimately we're storing a load of files into a backup file. Uh, and if that backup file can be amended or deleted, that's an issue because we're seeing ransomware attacks whereby it's actually the backup files that are get targeted mm. first. 
strip them out or age them out, which is disabling the backup system in such a way whereby all the backup files drop out of the backup chain. Ultimately, it gives the business no recovery points um, if that happens. And it means that the business is then more likely to pay any kind of extortion demand from cyber criminals in an attempt to get that back. So immutability is that concept of once it's written, it can't then be amended, it can't be deleted. It's it's secure, that, that, that collection of files that we're relying on to essentially as a recovery point for the business should we need it they're safe they're protected so immutabilities uh, we've worked on a number of those projects this year actually and it and the reason for that is not only is the focus on it from from the business because there's more of an appreciation for attacks it's being asked for by insurance as well mm. do you have an offsite immutable backup We've had customers come to us and say, we are off-site backups, but are they immutable? What is immutability? So we've, we've been able to put that in and, and help our customers that way. Well, I mean, I didn't know what that was um, until, yeah. you know, we, we delved a little bit deeper. But the other, yeah. the other kind of key area for data is just analysing the data um, yeah. and the tools that we've got. Because, you know, we, we had a call with someone last week. We had I know, was it 200 terabytes of data, but they reckon probably only less than 5% is what's accessed in the last year. So it's, you know, and they wanted to look at how can they back that up and move it to cloud. So tools that we have that can analyze that data. And you, you've been doing that for a long time. To, yeah, to and I think it's a it's a really, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting the conversation around immutability because, uh, you know, for people who think they can delete this podcast, um, you'll find out it's immutable um, and it will always be there. Uh, so just a warning. Um, but but I think that kind of thing around analyzing data is, is absolutely true and, and has, has become more true. You know, I think one of the things that, that we would see was that, you know, when people were buying storage infrastructure in the past, um, you know, they would look at that and it would be kind of maybe a five-year process. So they'd buy some storage, everybody would gripe about the cost. You'd get the cost somewhere you wanted it, you'd buy your 200 terabytes. Yeah. Five years' time, about six months before the, you know, the, the, the warranty and the support was up, six months earlier, you'd start looking at that again and going, well, we'll probably buy 200 plus another 100 this time and then there'd be the whole cycle again. But one of the things that's changed is as we've started to adopt cloud, as we've started to see people move to more kind of as a service cost modeling, you know, and it's interesting we talked about cost kind of in, in, in part one of this, that that's brought that conversation to the fore much more regularly. So the idea that, mm. well, actually, if I'm going to pay to store this in the cloud, you're not having this conversation once every five years, you're having this conversation every month. Do we really need all of this mm. data? You know, as, as we look at some of the things that, you know, we've talked about, you, you know, you're talking there about immutability and protecting protecting the, the, the right, you know, kind of the crown jewels of the organisation. Because one of the challenges that comes with that is that when you're protecting stuff, if you don't know what you're protecting, you could potentially be spending an awful lot of money in building immutable data stores for stuff that nobody ever bothers about and actually nobody really cares about. And if you lost it tomorrow, it'd have no impact on the business whatsoever. And this is true of security, governance, compliance. You know, you, you look at, if you look at data security, you can spend a lot of money in trying to make sure you're securing data. But of course, the issue you come across is it doesn't matter. You know, if, if you're just securing stuff that's not that important, you're paying for that. You're paying to back it up. You're paying to store it. Increasingly, we're seeing people have concern about the cost of physically running mm. their storage infrastructure. Yeah. Well, if you're storing 70% of the data and nobody's using it, well, you're paying to cool that, you're buying it, you're paying to cool it, you're paying to, uh, you know, power it. And all of that has has cost, you know. So so actually that, that yeah. whole thing around cost management mm. 
has so many areas that can impact a business. And it's, it's interesting, actually, earlier you mentioned the previous episodes that we did with Grant Cayley from yep. NetApp. And a lot of the technologies that are built into NetApp support the uh, working with larger data sets in quite an efficient way. So if, if we look at AI and machine learning models, for example, they take millions and millions of files, a working set to be able to learn what it is that they're trying to learn. So if we look at images, for example, so being able to recognize a picture of a car, for example, that takes millions and millions of pictures of cars to be able to train that model. So if you've got a developer that has got, you know, let's say 10 million pictures of a car, that has a cost to it of storing that data, heating and cooling of the storage system and maintenance on it as well. But then if you've got another developer that's doing something slightly different with cars, you know, being able to recognize, I don't know, the size of tires on cars as opposed to the make a model, for example, then what, what we can do with NetApp is actually flex clone that data at no cost. So we're not paying to store it twice. We're, we're, we're being able to leverage the same data, but in a really efficient way. And, and I think that the more that, I, I think companies are starting to, 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 to realize this more and more that companies that leverage data that they've already written into their storage system, they can gain a big competitive advantage. So companies that recognize data as an asset and can mine that, can mine business advantages from it. Well, I think this comes back to kind of what your original question was that I, I skillfully avoided answering, uh, was about building and understanding that data. And you're absolutely right. You know, the starting point for all of this, whether it's what are we going to use for analytics, what are we going to protect, you know, what do we need to back up, all those kind of things actually starts with doing a piece of work that says, well, if I've got 200 terabytes, what's in it? Yeah, understand do, it first. Yeah, does does yeah. anybody use it? Is there anything that's extra sensitive in there that we need to worry about? Is there stuff that we shouldn't even have? Absolutely. You know, and, and there's lots of tools out there and coaching, you know, come, come and talk to us about, we can point you in the right direction. And whether that's on-prem, in the cloud, bit of both, you know, there's tools yeah. there that can help you build build that understanding. Um, and what I'm going to do is nicely segue that onto, you know, as, as things we've seen in 2023, that where data is going to be really important, I think, in 2024 is probably the thing that's going to be the big trend. Now, some of these things will stay the same, you know, cybersecurity we've talked about, but I suppose the thing that maybe took us by surprise in 2023, that is probably going to be the big conversation in 2024, has been kind of the commoditization of, of AI. You know, yeah. most people looking at things like ChatGPT, but just in general, you know, the the, the pace of adoption of those technologies, you know, is it's that... Yeah, I, I, I mean, did, did, do you think anything else is going to be a hot, the, the, the hotter topic of 2024 Not as hot than as that? AI. I mean, it's coming into everything, absolutely everything. You know, if, if we look at the way Office works now, Microsoft Office has been pretty much, you know, the same with a few graphical tweaks for a few years. If you look at what Microsoft are planning with integrating AI into that tool set with Copilot, it's, it's a game changer. If, even if we just look outside of Office and we look at the Microsoft uh, Defender security stack, Microsoft are bringing in AI capabilities into there to allow security researchers to do a lot more, to give them insights, to be able to recognize risk um, within the infrastructure and within the business. So I, I think that we're going to see a, a, a sprinkling of AI everywhere you look. Um, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what new applications we see, new um, new applications of AI and how how that is, is is going to progress next year. I mean, that that is just moved so quickly. Well, you, you mentioned um, a couple, couple of podcasts ago about a Copilot AI 
being in a Teams meeting and summarising, taking notes yep. and sending actions. And, you know, if I look at the two, you know, where I spend most of my time, it's spreadsheets and probably Teams meetings. And I, um, you may have told me something yesterday or someone did about Excel, you know, co-pilot of Excel, you know, yeah. just tell it what you need yep. it to do and it'll do it. And I'm thinking that's going to have a massive impact on on on, on what I do. So there are two benefits for me. And then, yeah. you know, ChatGPT, everyone I speak to now has been using it in some capacity. And I think yeah. that's, you know, I mean, Jason kind of alluded to it there. And I, th and I think that's the thing that we will see maybe change most. Now, I'm, I'm really, you know, like I say, we, we kind of talked about Copilot a couple of episodes back, but, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the, the, the kind of the baking of generative AI in general, but the baking of that, that kind of technology into everyday applications is is going to do and is going to change, you know. And I think, you know, it, it's come with it's come with presenting new challenges to people as well. You know, we've just been talking about data. You know, if you're going to feed generative AI models, you were talking about before, Jason, you know, if you're going to feed those models and you need to make sure the data is the right data that you're feeding them with to try and remove bias and all those kind of things. But actually, I think in general, what, what we'll see, be really interesting to see how that starts to, because there's some limitations around using Copilot in Microsoft at the moment, you know, certainly not more so than the cost and and the amount of users you need to have to access it today. Uh, but, but that'll change over time, you know, and you're already seeing it kind of just baked into day-to-day to -day stuff. But you already see that to an extent, you know, there's lots of things that we don't realise that AI, you know, I, was, I was listening to a podcast um, a couple of weeks back and they were talking about Grammarly. You know, and I use Grammarly a lot. Podcasts. Uh, <laughs> um, obviously not as good as this one, but, but they were talking about Grammarly. Because yeah. you don't even think about one of the things Grammarly is doing is learning about how you write and yeah. how people write in general to guide you to, you know, and that's just this kind of stuff is, is embedded in. But I think going to present a whole bunch of new challenges that we're going to see in 2024. But interestingly, things that all encompass what we've been talking about over these couple of episodes. Security. You know, I mean, we were talking about off air, weren't we, about, you know, companies who have put all of their intellectual property into ChatGPT yeah. and ChatGPT has then taken that away yeah. and started giving that answer to other yeah. people. You know, Is so that what it does? Oh, dear. And, yeah. and, and, I, actually, I think that's where AI will change next year. I think that there will be a lot more governance on the, the way that AI companies are allowed to develop at, at, a, at a government level. And I think that there will be mechanisms introduced whereby companies can start to introduce their intellectual property into like a secure enclave so that if you ask it, a, you know, an engineering question, it's not going to then go and leak it to your competitor, as we've seen with ChatGPT over this year. Well, I think you see it already, don't you? Because if you do the paid for version of ChatGPT, then, you know, you, you've got some more control. Right. Okay. But, but also one of the things that, uh, and I think we were mentioned on the Microsoft podcast and I went down to Envision talked about Copilot that for example if you go on to Bing um, as a search engine you know and you can stop laughing uh, but if you go on to Bing you know so, so so Bing has a capability called Bing Chat and Bing Chat is powered yeah. by GPT-4 um, obviously Microsoft got a big stake in, in OpenAI which as, as we're recording this now includes the guy who was the chief exec of OpenAI now works for Microsoft um, but, but actually that kind of you know, that kind of capability is, you know, again, makes it more straightforward. But there is a version for people who use Microsoft 365 of Bing Enterprise. So you can then go into Bing Chat Enterprise and it has that firewall around it. So it doesn't take what you type into there to feed the GPT learning model. It's state, you know, it's it's your data, stays your data. So it'll, it'll 
yeah. do its, its AI piece to give you the answer you're looking for, but it doesn't then take the information you fed it. So even little things like that will be a, be a big part of that. But um, yeah, yeah that, you know, I think I, I, unless there's anything else that you think is going to run alongside that, you know, I think we've cybersecurity will remain a thing. Um, you know, cost optimization is definitely going to remain a thing. Managing data is going to mm-hmm. remain a thing. But I think you know, lots of these things will kind of feed into for many companies that AI conversation. We want to use that technology. How do we use it safely and securely? But I mean, I suppose we wrap up. Is, it, is there anything else that you, you guys think we might we might see this this coming year? Um, you, you touched on it just then, but governance of AI in general, yeah. isn't it? You know, you, you need a you know you need an AI policy, don't you? Um, you know, I'm freely putting information into AI um, about what we're doing and rewriting from a marketing perspective, but. Because other companies are doing a lot more than that, and we're we're talking to people at the minute who are building business models to help companies about governance of how people use AI. That's the big thing, I think. Move well, not the big thing, but it it, controlling how it's used. I I think we're going to have an awful lot of chats about AI um, and probably some podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if we if we do a lot of AI episodes next year, just based essentially on what we've just crystal. Fair, Jace. It gets the hits uh, and it gets the viewers. So you know, we'll probably be doing that because we're 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 here. We're we're that basic uh, when when it comes down to it. So, um, well, I just thought before we wrapped up, um, being as this is the, the last episode of the year. Um, it will probably be uh, wrong of us uh, to not thank everybody who's um, spent time Absolutely. subscribing and watching watching the show. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and uh, to, to wish you all uh, a me- Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, and also, actually, to the team here at the, the Liverpool Podcast Studio who've looked after us uh, since we started doing these shows shows back in April. Um, yeah, well you know, done. They, they've, thank been- you. <laughs> they, um, they 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 make our lives very easy. We literally rock up, yeah. we do this stuff, then these guys make it look professional um, and, and us competence, which is And to Josh, when Josh said he would come on and say hello on one of the episodes. Maybe, yeah, maybe we, next we, year, we yeah. can't go to the end of a Christmas episode and not thank Josh for yeah. the absolute sterling work he's done all year for us. He yeah, makes yeah, us absolutely. look like rock stars. Yes, yeah. it, it, it certainly makes me look competent, um, just about. So, um, <laughs> yeah. we'll, but we'll be using AI to in, improve my competency level next year. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I thought it, it would be wrong of us not to yeah. to you know, thank everybody for for spending their time watching us this year, and uh, and we'll we'll see you all again next year. Quite right. Yeah. So, if you've not subscribed, hit the subscribe button. Have a great Christmas and a happy New Year. All the best. All the best. <laughs>